Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. So uh, at this very moment, we're on vacation. I might be deep in the stacks of the Stanford Library trying to find new things to learn. I don't know. I'm kind of a geek. It's kind of what I do on vacation. Well, I one of my favorite things is to have intellectual projects that I do on vacation. So I really applaud that. And moreover, I think a lot of our listeners are big nerds who really enjoy learning. And so this is one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done. And it's about what are some of the best resources that we've come across for learning new things about data science. Enjoy. Katie, hey. Hi, Ben. Something science is good communicate, huh? Are you talking backwards? Backwards talking you are? Uh, not backwards talking, just confusingly. Um, we're going to talk about communicating <laughs> science, which is not necessarily the easiest thing to do. Uh, and also where we get updates when we're interested in these topics. Sure. Sounds great. You are listening to Linear Digressions. So this is a question that I sometimes get in emails, like how do we come up with content for this podcast? And that's there are a lot of... That's yeah. actually a question that I sometimes have. <laughs> <laughs> how do we figure out what to talk about? Because you're really you're really the expert in, in almost all of these shows. I think maybe the one about how the podcast gets made, I got to be the expert, but... Yeah, and there's a lot of answers to this question, and I won't get into, go into all of them. Some of them are are obvious, I think. Like, there's blogs, and sometimes it's drawn from my own experience or from interesting stories that I've heard somewhere or whatever. But And another one of my favorites is because we have enough of a listenership that people write into us, that's a really great place to source stories for, from, too. And that is going to be part of what we talk about today. Actually, one, mm -hmm. one of the things we'll be talking about is a thing a listener wrote in to tell us about. But getting ahead of myself slightly here. Yeah, it can actually be really challenging, though, to come up with material sometimes. Um, and there are a few things that make this challenging. So one of the things that isn't hard is finding stuff because there's just so much that's going on in machine learning and data science right now that there's, if anything, too much content out there for us to cover. However, one of the things that can be hard is figuring out what's the right kind of material for this particular show. So I'm trying to look for something that's got, it's got some technical chops to it. It's not so technical that I wouldn't be able to like explain it to a non-technical audience. That is something that I find kind of interesting or that is solving a cool problem. And also that is something that I understand it well enough that I feel like I would be able to do it justice in trying to explain it. And that's, that's actually a big thing. Um, a lot of the stuff that I do on this podcast, I've got to sort of learn it for the purposes of this podcast. And that can be very challenging. Uh, if you're sitting there reading a paper, I'll usually have to read it two or three times before I feel comfortable enough with the material that I feel like it's a good match for uh, talking about. That sounds like a lot of reading. Yeah, it is a lot of work. And it's something that I that I really enjoy. But it can be really challenging because, you know, reading a paper two to three times, that's like a few hours of reading. And mm. if it turns out to be something that's not a great fit, then you start have to over, start yeah. over again. <laughs> right. And so this brings me to the first thing that I wanted to talk about, actually, uh, which is a, an initiative. This was... Uh, Again, a listener email that we got from a listener named Joseph Paul Cohen, and it's shortscience.org, all one word. And so the idea is that this is a an aggregator site for scientific papers around machine learning mostly, 
And so let's say, let's think of the the example of NIPS. So NIPS is this big conference. It happens every year. It's where like a lot of the really cutting edge, like neural net type stuff happens. But one of the problems with NIPS is there's, I think it's fair to say hundreds of papers that can get accepted to NIPS or papers plus posters. And so let's say that I'm thinking like, hey, you know, NIPS just happened. I wonder if I wonder if there was anything interesting that came out of that. That's potentially hundreds of papers that I would have to sift through and try to pick out the ones that would be a good fit. And that is a tall task. So what shortscience.org is, is basically a way that people can go in and enter summaries and maybe a little bit of commentary about those papers as they read them. And then other people can read those short summaries and have a pretty good, you know, not super rigorous, but a pretty good high level idea of what that paper is about. And they can decide then if they want to go in depth and read the paper for all the scientific details, or they can just say, okay, I get the general idea. I see the high points. I can move on to something else. Mm -hmm. There's almost, uh, I'm looking at it now, and it almost feels like one of those uh, science or math-based reddits where they have more strict rules about the kinds of things that can be submitted and um, kind of control the, the discourse as well. And there's an upvoting system as well. Yeah, so it seems like it's a it's a site that still there's a lot of contributions that people could make to it. Like partic- mm-hmm. it's based upon people participating with it. So reading papers, filing summaries, upvoting one another's answers. Um, and that's part of the reason that I wanted to mention it here because I know there's a lot of people who listen to the show and have expertise and interests that they would be willing and happy to sort of share with the community at large. And this mm-hmm. seems like actually a really cool way of kind of creating that kind of community and talking about discussing different kinds of scientific research papers and also benefiting from those efforts on the part of other people who are volunteering their time. So one more time before we go on, that is shortscience.org. Highly recommended. Check it out. I'm reading it right now. I, I, I kind of feel like I could spend some time on here, even though I'm not, uh, I'm not an expert in this field. But so what I, are you, don't just out of curiosity, this. yeah, what are you reading about? What, what are some of the things that are on there right now? Uh, I'm reading Reward Augmented Maximum Likelihood for Neural Structured Prediction, which sounds like a bunch of words strung Oof. together. But when yeah, but when, when I start reading the abstract, it actually, it, it makes kind of a fuzzy sense to me. And I wonder if, if I read these abstracts a couple of times and maybe also go on a couple uh, depth-first searches through Wikipedia for some of these um, terms... I almost wonder if this might be a good way for people who are not not yet immersed in the field but are kind of looking to get into it to get a deeper understanding of some of the core concepts because I'm sure that you know many of these papers are relying on these core concepts that's the reason that they're called core concepts right and so you can kind of see different ways that concepts are applied without necessarily needing to be immersed enough to be able to read the uh, the paper and understand it yeah, I think that's right. You know, the papers are really aimed at scientific audience and they're they're aimed at capturing an idea with absolute scientific fidelity and being very very accurate, very very precise sometimes in their notation and in their language. And that's good. It's important that there be sort of a record somewhere of exactly what research was done and exactly what findings we have. But if you're trying to just get a heuristic understanding of like this is this is sort of what's going on, you know, leaving out some of those details. That's usually what 
people are looking for. That's very often what people are looking for. And scientific papers are not great for that. So I think that this really like steps in and fills a gap there. So with that, let me move on to the second thing I wanted to talk about. This is an, an initiative coming out of Google and it's called Distill, I think, Distilled, Distill. And the idea here is challenging the entire idea that papers, like a PDF that you could print out and walk around with it as a dead tree sitting in your backpack, that that's even the right format for communicating certain types of scientific, in particular, like machine learning and statistics ideas at all in the first place, Mm. which I think is kind of fair because in all honesty, there's... so. something that I spend a lot of time thinking about, right, is how to explain a scientific idea with my voice and with sort of metaphors and inflection and storytelling. And I think sometimes you can capture the idea of a concept much more quickly and much more intuitively like that than if I were to try to sit down and write the same type of content. Similarly, I think there's an analogy between the written word and drawing pictures or having animations or even to a certain extent, you know, writing out formulas and kind of drawing arrows at certain parts of the formulas and saying, like, here's what's going on over here and here's what's going on over there. Anyone who's ever gone and listened to a scientific talk maybe has like a good scientific talk brings the research alive in a way that a paper sometimes can't. And so Distill is trying to give researchers the tools and some of the incentives to present their research in a way that's particularly well formatted for someone to, it's not dumbing it down, but making it much more accessible for a scientific audience. In the past, we've talked about uh, actually a good amount about data visualization. Um, And a lot of the times when we talk about data visualization, we're talking about making still images uh, or maybe videos uh, out of these these concepts or maybe examples of these concepts. Uh, but one of the things that I've found uh, most fulfilling and enlightening is when I come across interactive things where I can click and drag on different sliders and kind of see how it affects the results, uh, where I, I see different uh, dimensions of the data visualized as colors or along, uh, you know, an X and Y plane or using luminance or, or, you know, different ways of measuring magnitude and displaying it. Um, there's something about being able to like kind of reach out and, and touch it and kind of poke at it that really helps things click. And that's part of what distilled is about. Yeah, I think that's fair. So let me talk a little bit about one of the, the entry sort of blog posts in the distill project that I was reading. And I thought makes a good argument, another way of framing, you know, what the project is here. And it's this idea that there's a thing called research debt that we don't talk about very much. But the metaphor is that if we think of research as like a hill that you have to climb if you're a scientist. Uh, So there's a lot of work that you're doing when you're in undergrad and graduate school and as you're sort of training to become an expert in a field. So there's all this material that's already happened, gone before you in your field, and you have to sort of struggle through that body of literature in order to understand it. And that doing something like a PhD is in this metaphorical world, you know, filling up a basket of dirt at the foot of that mountain, carrying it up the mountain and kind of piling it on the top so that that mountain of dirt is a little bit higher for the next person who has to come. And then that's how Mm. we, we build, you know, gigantic landscapes of things that we learn slash piles of dirt. And when that hill becomes too hard for any one person to climb, that's when you get subspecialties. 
Yeah, that in general, you know, you are adding to the field, but that it's easy to have the field grow out in a way that's like a little bit too organic in some ways. Mm. So a lot of these papers that, that people are writing and that people are trying to use to communicate their scientific ideas, they might have kind of poor exposition. So, you know, you can read the first three pages of a 50 page paper. And if it doesn't do a good job of convincing you why this is important, then, you know, you're very likely not going to continue to read it. Um, There's a lot of undigested ideas out there. So people sort of start an idea, but maybe the first person to think about something didn't really fully grasp the potential there or they didn't tie together some threads that maybe somebody later could have put together. So you have all these beginnings of ideas, but they're not really synthesized into something that's like powerful and one might say distilled yet. Mm. Uh, There's a lot of bad abstractions and notation. (laughs) So sometimes people just are trying to get something out the door and don't do a particularly good job of writing it. They don't pick notation that makes it clear what it is that's going on. That makes it much harder for the next person to follow up and to have to struggle through their notation to try to understand what it is they were doing. So even if it's a brilliant idea, if it's not well communicated, that can be a huge hindrance in it being able to get out in the world. And also there's just a lot of noise. Like a lot of people are out there creating papers. There's a lot of incentive to publish a lot. And so this is getting to the the NIPS idea a little bit. Like all the papers at NIPS are very, very high quality. They've gone through a really rigorous review process. But even then, I sometimes feel like as I'm looking through the big stack of NIPS papers, some of these are kind of noisy. They're not really relevant to anything that I care about. And so going through that big stack of papers can be kind of a turnoff for me as a as a scientist. I'm like, this is a lot of work. And so if we can make that hill a little bit shallower for um, some of these papers, that means that you can kind of grasp, I don't know, not, not with ultimate fidelity necessarily, but with some fidelity at kind of what the core essence of it is, or at least the gist of it. So you can either dive into the depths of the paper or decide to move on. Yeah, I think that the metaphor here might be a little bit more, you know, let's build a cable car to the top of the mountain. Mm. Um, so we're not we're not dumbing it down. So the analogy they draw here is that there's people who make theoretical contributions to science. There are people who are like me, they're experimentalists, they go out and run experiments, and that's how they contribute to science. There are research engineers who are actually helping build and maintain like the scientific apparatus that supports the work that the experimentalists do. But there's another type of scientific advance that you can do, and they call these distillers. And this is the idea of people who are very good at seeing connections between ideas, at communicating ideas clearly, at summarizing where a good summary is of service, and generally keeping the the quality of the discourse particularly high and particularly rich. Um, And that that isn't really a role that you know, sometimes people are very good at that, but it's sometimes incidental to the other work that they do. Um, and But trying to encourage that kind of work is the overall project of Distill. So there's three big parts of this, um, just for to, to round out the picture here. So the first is that there's a journal that they have started. It's an online journal. And if you publish in this online journal, it's morally equivalent, one might say, although, you know, academic prestige is a weird thing, but it's morally equivalent in, in most ways to uh, publishing in, in a journal or in a conference. Uh, you, you kind of get the same kind of academic points for that. It's peer reviewed and all this stuff. If you publish in the distilled online journal, 
The next is that there's a prize for excellent scientific communication. And so if you're a person who does a particularly good job of communicating a, a complex scientific idea with rigor, then you can you can win some scratch for that. And last is infrastructure around actually helping build helping people, researchers build good scientific communications, particularly within the context of maybe something that you would publish on like a blog. That's a good mental model. So it's a lot of supporting JavaScript type stuff for nice formatting. It's helping researchers tie things like citations and Git code or, you know, version controlled code in together with um, visualization software and then giving people some um, some feedback in ways that they can like improve their scientific communication as part of the review process. So between these three things, the, the journal, the prize, and the uh, software infrastructure, there's the start of like some really nice ideas here around scientific communication. And I think it's worth pointing out that the journal is all online. So I had a really lovely few hours this weekend kind of flipping through some of the articles that they have on there. They don't have a whole lot, but the ones they have are really, really excellent explaining scientific ideas with a lot of rigor, but also with a lot of intuition and in a way that's very easy to understand. And so I think this is going to be one of my go-tos sometimes when I'm looking to understand a new concept, uh, go see what's new on Distilled and maybe they'll have some, some fun stuff that then I can try to summarize or that can inspire me to new directions. So I'm very excited to see what continues to evolve there. I think it's a great idea and I certainly will be a beneficiary of it. I think the scientific community real large will hopefully benefit from it as well. And me too. I know what I'm doing this weekend. Uh, shortscience.org and going through distill. Linear digressions is a creative commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at Lin Digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.